Hello everyone, it's Wednesday, January 27th, and welcome to V Brown Bag. Tonight we're going to be continuing the VCP6 DCV series and focusing on Section 8, which is deploying and consolidating a vSphere data center. A couple of notes before handing it over to our presenter tonight, Kellen Dam. Uh, we will be following along with the conversation as we go. Uh, so feel free to tweet us by using the V Brown Bag, V Brown Bag Latam, and or the V Brown Bag EMEA accounts, or simply by just going out there and using the V Brown Bag Twitter hashtag. Uh, check out some of the other V Brown Bag series that we have going on right now. Uh, APAC, which is every other Thursday at 10 p.m. NZDT. Uh, I hear there's some awesome ACI knowledge being dropped on those here lately. There's also EMEA, which is every Tuesday at 7 p.m. BST. They've recently been going through the VCP6 CMA, uh, Cloud Management and Automation Objectives. And then LATAM, which is every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific. And lastly, the U.S., which as you know, since you're here, is every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, tonight, our presenter is Kellen Dam. He is on Twitter, at Kellen Dam, as well. And we appreciate him jumping on and taking us through this objective. Uh, lastly, my name is Kyle Ruddy. I'm going to be your host tonight, and I can be found on Twitter, at KM Ruddy. So, uh, Kellen, let me get uh, presenter rights over to you, and let's let you have at it. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. Okay, so just to make sure, I'm going to choose main screen. Can everyone see my stormtrooper there? It popped up there for a second. It did? I'll move that over. Let's see. Show main screen. Did it show up now? Yep, I can see your desktop now. Okay, and it says the V Brown bag is a PowerPoint. Yes, sir. Okay, here we go then. Thanks, all everyone, for uh, showing up tonight. Um, I'm Kellen Dam, and tonight I'm going to talk to you guys about auto deploy host, prof host profiles in VMware Converter. Um, like Kyle said, uh, my Twitter handle is at Kellen Dam. If you'd really love to email me, my Email address is calendarvirtuallydown.com. I'm currently have a hold a VCP5 DC, DCV and the VCP NV. I just went for the NV just to extend my uh, so it doesn't expire. So what we're going to do tonight is there's three sections in, in section eight. Um, it's going to go over auto deploy firstly, and we're going to go over you know installing and configuring auto deploy, um, describing components. Um, deploying through Power CLI. Um, we're going to deploy only probably with one host. Pray to the demo gods that it works. And we're also going to kind of talk. So um, if you guys have any questions, feel free to uh, send them to Kyle. Uh, he's going to interject me at any time, and we're just going to kind of go from there. I'm going to, I probably won't come back to these slides, but maybe at the end, making sure I hit anything or if you guys got any questions. And then, with host profiles, we're going to um, configure host profile, 
um, import, export, a lot of different things. So these these can all be found um, from the VMware site um, on under Section 8, all the information that's where I grab it from. So nothing special. And finally, um, we're going to kind of go through VMware Converter. Probably not going to go in depth into this as um, auto-deployer host pro profiles, but I'm going to definitely try to hit every option so you at least have an idea. And I'll kind of go through in my lab on different things, so we'll go from there. So let's get started. Um, the components of auto-deploy that you need to um, have in your environment to run successfully are TFTP. There's two different versions. You can run um, a Linux version or a Windows version. I'm going to show you how to use it with SolarWinds. That's pretty much the popular one. But you free Linux people, you can figure that. Um, pretty self-explanatory. You also need DNS, DHCP, Power CLI installed on your host so you can run different commands that I'll show you here down the road. Uh, you're going to need the software depot. Software depot meaning if it's from VMware, vendor, or a local software um, depot in case you don't allow outside access to your ESXi host. And then also host profiles, which is integrated into vCenter. <clears throat> I've also included a link here for the vCenter installation and setup guide. Um, this primarily will go in-depth on auto-deploying host profiles. And I took the liberty of uh, letting you know that page 71 is where it starts. Now, so it created a bit.ly link for you. So if you wanted to go and reference that, here you go. <clears throat> The next thing is I kind of wanted to go over the auto-deploy architecture for you. Um, the primary thing we we want to focus on, you know, we're going to focus on auto-deploy uh, through the Power CLI, the rules engine, which, um, excuse me, sorry, which uh, administers, like, uh, if you set a rule to deploy to the uh, your image profiles, the hope, things like that. Um, these four things here that's, Power CLI rules engine, the image builder, and the image profiles. Those are all primarily ran through the Power CLI, whereas the host profiles and um, customization and UI, that's run in vCenter. Of course, this is vCenter host and the, all these different things. So um, hopefully that gives you a thing. And I didn't make this. This is from the uh, vCenter site, so I didn't spell that wrong. I just like to point that out. Some quick facts. Some things that you know may help you with uh, your certification. You never know if they ask a question. You know, like um, I looked it up. Auto deploy was released with vSphere 5.0. You know, maybe if you've ever taken a test, they may ask if it's released in 4.0, 4.1, and 5.0. Something to think. Um, as always, auto deploy requires enterprise plus licensing. Um, um, the BIOS boot, or for auto-deploy, you need to boot through BIOS. It's pretty, pretty much the client architecture. And that's pretty much as far as feature parity goes. That's the only thing from like a VMware standpoint it's, that I would say is not really supported. You know, like, because with vSphere 6, now you can um, boot your host with UEFI, but if you deploy auto-deploy, you have to do a BIOS boot. So. And of course, even today, without a deploy, you got to use IP version 4, no version 6 support. And um, for auto deploy, by default, you need 2 gig of storage because um, the images are about 350 meg, which that gives you about um, probably about mm, 6 or 7 
um, ESXi images that you can deploy on. So, and that's all I got for slides. Now we pretty much uh, are going to go through into my lab. I'm going to get rid of all this. We'll set it all up. So, the nice thing that they released with vSource 6 is that between the vCSA and the Windows install, they are both automatically installed. Whereas before, um, with when you did the Windows install, you also had to check the box or install auto deploy separate. So now it's it's all um, pre-installed for you. The only thing it is is it's disabled by default. And when you're in the web client, remember you can no longer use the C sharp or someone call a fix. You you always have to do it in the web client. So you got to go into administration, system configuration, services, auto deploy, and then I've already started it, but you're going to want to go actions start. And then also, if you wanted to always start with vCenter, you want to choose it from manual to automatic. And the other thing I wanted to um, mention too is uh, I'll go in depth between a stateful and stateless install. Is that if you're in your environment, you're deciding to do a stateless install, it's highly recommended to um, install the SXI dump collector because with a stateless install, um, when you reboot, your core dumps will be stored in RAM and when they reboot, it's gone. So you will definitely want to configure that as part of auto deploy, whether you stay full or stay less. It's always a good idea. That's what you really do. So um, the next thing you want to install too is you want to install your TFTP server. I'm using Solar Winds, and the the other thing you want to make sure is you know where your location is. So you have that all configured, ready to go, and the next thing we want to do is uh, we're going to want to go to our vCenter inventory list and we're going to go to our vCenter service because what we're going to do now is we need to get our zip files that contains all the all the deploy files to run out of deploy so we can put our machines. So I'm going to go to my vCenter server, I'm going to hit the manage tab and I should see auto deploy. And right here um, this is a, a primary DHCP file name you want to do. So the nice thing is they already pre-configured that for you. Um, here's your boot URL. If you ever um, needed to add that into um, your Pixie settings, um, whatever you needed to do. Um, I think you can update the cache size. I think that's a command. I'm sorry, I didn't really look that up very good. But um, the next thing you wanted to do is you need to download the boot set. And it should be downloaded. Um, it must have. I think normally what it'll do if you don't accept it, it'll give you the link. So I don't have that written down, so I apologize. But normally, if you're using it on a Windows machine, you can log it. Um, I have to. I think it's actually. I think it's actually this. If you need to add it to Linux, but since we're doing Windows, I'll just show you that. As you know, you'll just extract it, and then what it'll do is we'll put it in our TFTP root file that I showed you here. And then we'll just make sure we have that file. Because then what we're going to want to do is to our DHCP servers, we're going to add one this 
to the boot options. The primarily boot options that we ha want to have in our scopes are um, 66 and 67. That's our boot server name and that's a boot file, so options. Behind the scenes note, I'm actually not using this. I actually have um, all the rules set up through my, my own router. But just so you can see it, you, know, you can add these same options on your Linux machine, things like that. The other things you want to mention too is that um, from a rule standpoint for firewall rules, you want to um, allow 6501 and 6502. If you needed to get something, you could get from there too. I was just expecting that to show something else. Sorry. And also, you'd want to um, enable um, port 69 for TFTP through your firewall to allow those. So. Okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to go into PowerCLI now that we got auto deploy all the configured and we have um, our files um, shared into our TFTP server. Uh, we're going to go into PowerCLI and we're going to run some commands. Uh, the first thing you want to make sure you do is you log into your vCenter host. And one thing also to note, every time you're going to run these commands, you're going to want to um, you're going to want to make sure you can maybe run a script or run it all to completion. Because as soon as you close this window, everything's gone. It's no longer saved. So like I said, the, the best thing to do is, is if you have a profile that you're always going to use, um, make sure that you um, write a script or save it or things like that. For the, for the sake of time, what I did is I get rid of all these screens here. I have a whole bunch of commands for us that I that I went through and I made sure work. And I'll kind of go through them real quick too, but I'm primarily going to focus on a lot of um, different ones. One thing to note, um, I assume that right now with VCAP 5, uh, if you have to deploy, auto-deploy in there, this would be a good refresher. If you can, you always want to do this command because this gets deployed. Command. That'll give you all the commandlets that are available. So then next what we're going to do is we're going to want to add um, our image to our depot. Um, like I said, you can create a script for this, but since we're kind of going through and we want to get an idea, I didn't do that. So this is our primary one where you can go out to the VMware site. You can also utilize um, like HP, Dell, they all have different ones, but this for the sake of this time, we're just going to use VM. So we're going to add the software depot. Is there any questions, Kyle? So far, we're all clear. All right. I believe this shouldn't take this long, but okay, there it did. So then, just for this, uh, it took me a little while to find the ESXi, so finally, I, after trial and error, I found this one. And what this is going to do from the VMware Depot, this is going to list all of our images. And just for this one, we're going to grab this image here. This is the standard one, you know, with VMware tools and everything. So, But as you can see right here, um, I've already pre-downloaded it. Right here, the zip and the 
ISO. So if you really wanted to, if you already had it to download and you wanted the local depot, you wanted to make a change and things like that or edit a vid and things like that, you could just do this and it would add it for you during that session. So this right here, um, this will clone the profile. I'm pretty sure this is I should. These two commands I'm not going to run because um, it'll take up our session for quite a while. But I wanted to add that for our image profile so when we run these new deploy rules, we have these available for us. Next, when we come into the deploy rules, there's a, different, a few different ways that we can do this. We can set our deploy rule to um, hit all the hosts. That would be good if we had all the same type of hosts in our clusters or, you know, that's pretty much solve it. But let's say that we have different ones. You could narrow it down to an IP version 4 pattern. The other things that you have available to you from this deploy rule command, if you wanted to limit it to, I added them right here, like an asset tag, domain, host name, MAC address, model, all those different things, you know, serial number, gender. And you would just add them to the end of this, you know, comma separated and add it. So. But for sake of time, we're just going to run this one. Should work. All right, now we have a deploy rule available. And we're just going to rehash that command to make sure it sees it. You're probably going to see multiple ones because I've added them before. So that's, you know, I have two deploy rules available for me right now. So. The next thing you could do too, if you wanted to remove the rule, say I don't want that one anymore, you could just do a and remove deploy rule delete. If let's say you messed up your deploy rule and you wanted to um, do a different image profile, you would have to go run this up here. Oh, oops, I'm sorry. Run this up here, get your different um, profile for your image and then also rename it and then that would that would be what you'd uh, replace and then that would just put with live 6 out it would just put your new um, image profile the next thing we want to run and i believe this is new to 6.0 correct me if i'm wrong is that um, there's an add deploy rule because um, now there's a active working set and just a working set. Those are the two rules that are available to you, and I'm going to show you those two things. So we're going to get this deploy rule, and we're going to add this to the, the active set. So this other command, this is also added new with the active and working rule set. So let's say that um, we had multiple rules. Remember the command get deploy rule, let's say we had two ones. Since this is the first one created, they're all number sequence. So this one right here at the very top would be our deploy rule zero. This one would be one. And if we had multiple ones different, you know, based on different rules and things like that, that's how it would be deployed. So let's say you created a new one and you wanted that one to be the first one deployed based on rules to supersede all. What you would do here then is you would just run this add deploy rule, deploy rule at zero. And I believe what it should do is it should fail. That's what it should do. 
Well, I'm not sure what I did wrong because it worked last time. Oh, cannot appear once in a set. I'm not sure what that means. Okay, well, we'll just keep moving on. If anyone knows, feel free to interrupt me. Okay, so now um, going back to the, the rules, um, we added this earlier. Let's say that we don't want that to be our active step, but we just want it to be behind scenes and available. We would just run this command and we do remove deploy rule. I don't want to do that at this time because I want to show you guys all those things. So <clears throat> if there's any if there's anything with that, you know. So pretty much what we should be be able to do now, I should be able to um, go to my host. I, sh I should have turned these on sooner. I'll power on my. I'm getting quick happier. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn on these two hosts here. Or my two images. And what they should be doing if we do a view console, we should power on and as you can see they're they're taking an auto deploy rule. And we should see the same thing with this one. Ah, I actually hit this. So you actually see it and show that I'm not, you know, filling you full of So now we're just going to kind of let those boot. And what the next thing we're going to do is we're going to go to host profiles, the next option. And as you can see, I've already built a whole bunch of different ones. But the first thing you have to do is if you're doing host profiles, is you're going to have to um, take a host profile from an existing host. You can't create a host profile just out of the blue. So the first thing you want to do is you'll do this. You'll extract. I don't know if it'll take it from the I already have all my hosts in maintenance mode so I don't forget. So if I run a command it doesn't fail. Because that's another requirement when you uh, remediate the hosts. You have to have them in maintenance mode. So we're going to extract the host profile. And create our first one. So let's pretend that that one's all done and we have one available to us, okay? So it should should definitely look like the one we're gonna extract. And when you see it, you should see all these options available to you. These are all, you know, Everything you can pretty much change on the fly. If you wanted to go change your NMP settings, um, virtual stand settings, all those, you can pretty much go and do those. So um, the one thing I wanted to show you here is when you're deploying a stateless or stateful install for your host, um, it's recommended usually that you create a host profile 
and go um, set it within here and then deploy that host file so it'll actually um, set. And then if you did if you decide to do a staple install, you let it do it, let it remediate, and then you have to go to the host and make sure that you turn off your network boot because as you know, that's a requirement for Pixie. So, so what we're going to do for the staple one, we're going to go edit the post profile. And then what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to go through all these settings and remove everything. Yes, you accidentally clicked that. So, but the primary one you want to go to is advanced configuration settings, system cache configuration. Let me strip this so you can read that. System image cache configuration, it's redundant. And then you're just going to want to choose one of these options. We're going to choose in enable stateful installs on the host. And then the other things too you can do is arguments for first disk. These are the default. I know you can do USB. Um, I, I assume you could probably do SD card. Um, my recommendations is um, refer to the VMware install guide to get the proper settings because I'm no authority on it. So we're going to hit finish. Okay. Then once we have that done, we want to attach it to a host. Uh, these machines must not be available yet. No. So while these are running, um, I know that there's a couple of um, there's a couple of options in our um, PowerPoint to talk about uh, enabling PSP settings like um, PSP configurations and networks. So I'm going to go into this one because um, I took it from a host where I have iSCSI set up and also networking. So we'll go edit that settings there and I'll kind of show you. So if you wanted to configure PSP settings within your host profile, go here, storage configuration. I'm in the wrong one. Uh, native multipathing, that's where I want to be. And right here, as you can see, these are these are all the drives available. LDB as far as I have one here. And if you wanted to, you could say change the PSP name to oh, it's not growing. So you can't see it very well. There you go. So when you did deploy the source profile for all these devices or data stores, you could choose a PSP name. Um, uh, round Robin. I think this is most recently used. So you can go set all those for that. Um, I believe this this for uh, which reminds me um, with the Power CLI. I apologize for this. With the Power CLI, you can also um, add vids if you need to and things like that. So that would be, I believe, if you like had a um, some type of storage that had a um, some sort of uh, path selection policy or anything like that available, you know, I believe you would install it 
I unfortunately didn't have one available, and I believe you'd see it here, and you could set it and do things like that. I'm pretty sure that's how it is. And then the other one too in the in the settings is network configuration. You know, you could come here and you could set your B switch. Um, you know, you could go do the number of ports, and once you port groups, your physical NIC configuration go do settings like that. You know, name them certain things so they're all consistent across. Also, one thing to note that when you're when you're deploying host profiles, make sure you're not deploying them up, um, just you know, doing your export and then deploying it across the board without any changes. You know, if there's certain things that may affect, you know, like maybe storage or network, you know, kind of test through and see how it goes and make changes until you get pristine. You may get lucky and may it work right, but for the most part, probably you're going to have, you're um, potentially going to have issues. So, we cover hey. that. Hey, Kelly. Yep. We actually do have a couple questions if you want to take a second there. Sure. Uh, so, one of the questions that came in is from Adam, and it's about how do you prepare for if or when your vCenter is down and you need to boot your hosts? So, do you look for something like a physical vCenter? host for redundancy's sake, or, you know, basically what happens if you lose power and you need to boot everything back up in your environment? How do you address that? Well, um, from, a, from a stateful standpoint, because it installs to disk, you'd always have it available to you. But from a stateless standpoint, I believe... Um, what you would actually, um, I think what it would actually do, it would need to connect so you'd always be down. So that would become a, a always on making sure your, your, your vCenter is always on. So it, that makes sense. So your single point of failure is your uh, vCenter if you're doing a stateless install. Did that answer it? Yeah, I think so. And uh, I would agree with that as well. And I, I see Ariel also agrees with it as well, where you're you're keeping either a management cluster that's either stateful and still using auto-deploy, or you're going to just keep it in a normal mode because you're still going to have to do, you know, take care of resources such as your TFTP server, which might also be virtual and things of that nature. Yep. And then by default, uh, stateless is always enabled. So that's why like I showed you those settings in there in your host profile, you want to go change that if you want to do a staple install or you're always going to have it trying to, you're always going to have it stateless. So that's one thing to always remember too. And then we had one other question about uh, what you think the tipping point is uh, in the number of hosts to make auto deploys complexity worth it. Well, it depends on if if you're always making changes like adding storage or um, adding different features. I guess it all it all depends on your environment and how many you're adding. So I mean, I, I can't I can't say that number. You know, for for me, maybe if you add maybe one a month, it would be worth you to do a host profile so you're always consistent. Because let's say maybe for example, you forget. NTP on a host or something like that. 
and you deploy Exchange. Since Exchange is fully reliant on time, but it's relying on the host and it's off, you could mess up everything. So, for example, you know, it all depends, you know, on how good you are as a human deploying, I guess. If not, you got to deploy a host profile. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that as well. I, I think it's more of a, uh, you know, how how complex your own environment is versus how complex auto-deploy is. You know, if you have a ton of systems mm -hmm. or even just five, but if they're all the same system, then, you know, hey, why not? Uh, it saves you time yeah. from having to apply updates through VUM or any of the other alternatives as well. Well, with five, I, I don't know a lot of people that, with five hosts, they would have Enterprise Plus. So that could be another caveat. You know, you could have to, may have to go into other avenues, you know, like using a Kickstarter thing like that. But so. <laughs> good point. Licensing is another good uh, good thought while going through this. All right. So, any other questions? Uh, we do have another one from Larry coming in about uh, covering VLANs while going through auto deploy. Uh, so do you, do you have any thoughts about, uh, like, if you're spinning up hosts on a deployment segment and then flipping that host over to another VLAN for management or even just applying VLAN tags via auto-deploy? Well, it's it's absolutely recommended on how, on how you deploy it. If you're using DHCP uh, or if you're using stateless, you'll always want to have DHCP reservations for those hosts. Um, you can VLAN that off. You could have a separate DHCP server for all your stateless hosts, things like that. Um, you could do exactly, I'd assume you'd want to do a stateful install the way you're talking, where you could have a, you know, like say your your um, default VLAN has your, is the only uh, area where you have your DHCP. So you could have it in there, do your, do your deployments from there, and then cut it over. Although, I guess from that point, you probably wouldn't want your Pixie server, or excuse me, your auto-deploy server and your default VLAN. So, absolutely, you probably want to segment it off. But just a thought, you know, you could flip it over. Does that answer it? Hmm? All so far, so good. We'll, we'll see if Larry has any follow-ups. All right. So... Um, it looks like both of our hosts are set up. I actually um, set up reservations for this one and another one. Um, this other one, I couldn't get it to set. I don't know why, but for the sake of time, I just decided I'll live with the IP. So the next thing what we want to do is since we're going to just do a staple and try this one, see if it works, we're going to attach our host to it, this host profile. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to do this one, attach it. Forgive me for all my errors. I do a lot of testing, so a lot of things are probably messed up. Hey, I'm just enjoying the, the live demo. So the next thing we're going to want to do is we're going to make sure it's compliant. Once that goes 100%, good. We'll just 
do a nice little refresh. Looks like we're compliant. Uh, let's make sure that our host is in maintenance mode. And it's not. We'll do this one too, just for giggles. Just in case we want to test it so we don't have to come back here. So, next thing we're going to want to do is we're just going to run a remediate. And hope that it works. It's taken a while. I think even for the demo, I doubled my memory so it could go faster, but not tonight. All right. So let's finish. Let's see if it finishes here. Let's see. I think it's this one. Yep. So let's see if it reboots. Um, let me go back to let me go back to the PowerPoint. Make sure we hit everything with those profiles. Compliance. We did remediation. Um, the enable or disable host profile components. I believe all they mean is if you're in your host profile, you're editing, just removing, unchecking. I think it's that simple. Uh, create, edit, and remove. That would be the same as if we attach them. So we right click on the host, attach them, add them. I showed you that, I showed you that. Let's make sure we did everything with there. I went over that. We got a question on that. So I think we're I think we're pretty good. Um, the other thing we'll do over VMware Converter. Sweet working. It's still working. I guess while we're doing that, if you guys don't mind, um, let's do let's go over VMR converter real quick. So I think I'll go over this real quick. So well that's running. Okay. So VMR converter, I'm pretty sure a lot of people on this call or on this webinar have used it a lot of times to do a P to V or a V to V or ever you know management or someone's decided oh there's this awesome thing called virtualization let's get it on you know and they've used this and thought oh great let's do P to Vs and realized that was a bad idea but hey it works it does a thing so I'm not going to knock it. 
to tell you the truth, I actually used it last week to use, to move a Zen server to uh, VMware, so I still use it. So, so what I'm going to kind of just do, just for converter, is I'm just going to kind of quickly go through all the notes, things like that. I'm sure everyone's used it, you know, just so you kind of know. So the these are converter standalone can be installed on a physical virtual machine. The types of installs are local, client server, and command line. Um, when you do a local, you install the server, the agent, and the convert the standalone client. And for local use, that's of course that you know nobody can access it. I did the client server installation. Um, that does the server, remote access, the converter agent, and the converter client. Um, the difference in that is, is the remote access. Um, that means that people can you know access it from anywhere. And the agent just means that if you if like for example I wanted to do a V2V on this machine here to a different cluster or things like that or a different um, VM host I, I definitely could. So um, and then there it says convert physical workloads using vCenter converter. Um, you know, you do the hot cloning where the power means um, hot live where you do all the change blocks and changes like that, kind of like a live clone in VMware. But you can also do Linux conversions where, you know, like from the Windows side and engine is deployed, installed, so it talks to your converter and, you know, creates a VM and your vCenter and things like that. But Linux, it doesn't do an agent. Um, it actually deploys a virtual machine in your environment on the destination host. The data is copied and then uh, to the virtual machine. Um, then once it's done, it shuts down to become the, the primary machine. So real similar, just does it a different way. So um, you can modify a lot of tasks like memory, disk, network. Software, you know, you can install VMware tools, you can remove checkpoints, you can do your guest OS, you can use server name, license key, create a new SID. Um, be self explanatory. Um, if you need to correct diagnostic conversion, you can do, you know, task export logs here. You can also go to logs on the host. I think they're in program data, VMware. Gosh, I can't remember. Converter standalone and logs or something like that. And pretty much you can go there and for MC if you had an error. You know, for example, one time I had an error where I couldn't it, the task would run and then it failed because it, it said some generic like like cannot connect server. Well it ended up happening is that the VM in there rather the logs that said can't contact DNS. So I found that through those logs. Uh, of course, you can resize volumes, do a lot of different things right there. Um, I know that uh, VMware has a converter standalone guide. If you want some nice reading at night, you know, go read that. So, oh, and then the last thing I think that they do, let's see, let's go read here, uh, PowerPoint. Yep. Um, the last thing is uh, given a scenario, determine which virtual disk format to use. Of course, it's thicker thin. You know, if your backend storage is thin, but they want you to use thick on your VMDKs, you know, it's kind of the all depends rule. So, 
that's pretty much. So let's go back. Hopefully that kind of covers standalone. I assume it's you know something everyone's used and pretty much. So it looks like it's completed. Did it apply it? It must have. So sweet. I can tell you that this morning I checked this and it failed and I didn't know why. The only thing I can think of that it was failing on is that, remember how I showed you in here the deploy rules? I actually set a um, pattern list to that machine and I think there must have been something wrong with it, but I removed that using the um, get deploy rule um, remove or delete. I removed that this morning and it worked fine. So, And I was hoping that it wouldn't fail. So now if I wanted to, just to make sure that it's there, um, what I should be able to do properly, go to my house and clusters. I should, I should be able to go here. I'm going to simulate that I, you know, I made the change, and that I'm going to remove it from, um, so it boosts the disk. So I'm pretty sure that that should work. I know I'm going to do the cardinal sin. I'm going to reset the VM. I don't want to wait, and I'll have to come back. All right. Huh. I thought I changed it. Okay. Let's just pretend that that was set that way. Yeah, it's booting now. Because before it, um, we should have had it um, pop up to the Pixie Boot and be sure um, the auto deploy settings. So it looks like it, our host profile worked. Success. The demo gods were loving me tonight. So I'm, as far as I know, I hope you have a headache now. And I gave you lots of information that you can take with you. Hopefully you learned something. Uh, is there any other questions? No, I, I think I covered everything as in-depth as I could. Um, yeah, so actually we do have another question that came in. And uh, it, it's more of an opinion question. And it's surrounding what you see in the wild. Uh, as far as, especially with larger scale environments, are you seeing stateless, uh, stateless with cache or stateful? Well, um, I can tell you primarily everywhere I've worked, it's pri primarily never been an enterprise plus shop. It's always been, it's always just been enterprise. So auto deploy was never used, so it always would have been staple, but I would assume probably, I, I really, I couldn't have an opinion on that. I, maybe someone else has, you know, because like I said, usually, to be honest, when I did them, um, I would, because we were enterprise, 
I would actually um, set up a Pixie server, have all my options, and do a Kickstart file. It would do all that for me, and I'd always pre-configure it. I, w I didn't have this fancy GUI, so I, I guess I can't be an authority on that. What about you, Kyle? Uh, so in one of the environments that I, I was an admin for, we had a couple hundred hosts, and we did a lot of stateless. Uh, there were a lot of blades, and it, it was a whole lot of stateless. Uh, you know, the management clusters and, and whatnot, there was still a physical virtual center, uh, and then the management clusters were, were stateful where we could, or they were just older mm -hmm. clusters that were just plain Jane builds. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a dev environment or something. Yeah. Uh, I know Larry's on here. I, I think he he might have some some insight into this as well. Uh, and then also Ariel brought up that uh, kind of a reminder that not everything can be set through host profiles. Uh, so that's one thing that, yeah. to keep in mind that there are some limitations. And uh, Ariel actually brings up that uh, network lag might be one of those things. I can't remember off the top of my head, but that sounds pretty familiar. Mm -hmm. so. And I, I also posted that question on Twitter because I'm I'm actually quite curious myself just to to see what other people are are seeing and or rather what they're using in their own environments. Uh, so it, if you haven't brought up your opinion in here, feel free to to uh, bring it up on Twitter. And I'm kind of looking through all the hashtag stuff, so. Well, um, I guess since I created all these, I'll make sure to get these to Kyle or Jonathan. Oh, one other thing. I'd like to thank Jonathan for volunteering me for this. I wanted to say that. I, I love it how he asks the question and then, oh. So I'd like to thank him for that. He is very good at it. Yes. <clears throat> so I'll make sure to get these to all you guys. Um, hopefully it's... Um, helpful in that regard. Uh, I could probably clean it up a little bit, but yeah. is there any other questions? Otherwise, I guess I'm done. Uh, nothing else so far. Uh, thank you guys all for tuning in. I'm going to hit the stop record button and I'll uh, open up the mic. So if, if anybody has questions or would like to discuss further afterwards, uh, stick around. Thanks again, guys.